Hey guys, welcome to The Roundtable. Here at The Roundtable, we continue the conversations that we have had from Sunday morning and how you can have practical ways to help every person take their next steps towards Jesus together. Hey everybody, welcome to The Roundtable, episode number 53. 53. It's funny, I, to, I asked that like 10 times, I still Every time. <laughs> almost every time. Yes. So, no, not almost, it is every time. Anyway, so one of the things we do want to say from the beginning is we love you guys' feedback because yes. it helps us be able to become better. So one of the things we got as a feedback is we probably ought to introduce ourselves. I know. Because we always introduce our guests, but nobody... Which is funny because I just, I never had thought about that. Well, everybody knows Jenny, but people might not know me. So I'm <laughs> not true. Mike Hill, lead pastor here at Life Church, and... And I'm Jenny Walker, the social media ministry leader here at Life Church. Wow, you got a long title. I know. It's Say tongue it twister. And social media. <laughs> I knew I could get her. <laughs> social media ministry leader. There you go. And yes. we have a special guest, Jim Halstead, here yep. with us today. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about you. Well, wait, I forgot. We have to tell. Part of the feedback. He might look like somebody that's been on the show before. You think he looks like Steven? I think so. Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. He's a good looking guy, well, isn't yes, he? Yes. He's a very good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> you do though. I definitely well, I forgot the other part. You said like we got to make sure people know that we're at Life Church. We did say that though because we said at Life Church we within did? our yeah within our leadership positions. Oh, but we are we are at there Life Church That's right now. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so uh, Jim's on our uh, roundtable today. So just to give you a quick. If you've not listened or watched to the roundtable before, here's what it's about, and so here's what we're hoping for. So it was started uh, because we wanted to continue the conversation from Sunday morning because I'm assuming maybe your messages were way better than everybody else's, but <laughs> most of the time you preach a message on Sunday and you talk to somebody on Tuesday and they tend not to remember that much of what... I usually don't remember mine. So. <laughs> really? See? Okay, even he has that problem. Yeah. Well, the point is, is that we know Sunday morning messages are good, but we need to continue conversations right. if we want to see life change. The roundtable is one part of that. We know it can happen through small groups. We know it can happen through mentoring meetings. We can happen through discussions on the way home from church. It can happen from sitting around your dinner table. But the roundtable is just another way to be able to do it. And part of the special thing about it is guests. Right? Yeah. So we can bring it on and that Jim can give us you know, his perspective and you know, of what's happening in his life and what, from the basis of what we're talking about on a Sunday morning, what does it look like through your eyes? And so we're excited about that and excited about what the round table's doing. Mm -hmm. and so just a quick reminder from the beginning, if you've never watched, you need to watch. Yes. Right. Cause watching is, seems to be the most popular thing people are doing. Yeah. And do you know that last week, so we had put a picture up on the screen and somebody that was listening, they had to go then and log on to YouTube and watch it because they had to see the picture. picture. <laughs> so maybe that's our way to like bring people in yeah. pictures. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And you always get to see Jenny's unique outfits. Right? They're not unique. Uh, some of them are unique. You wore bib overalls one time. Bib overalls are in style. No, I know. So we said, we see, we got to plan this. This was a part of what you said we were going to do. Yeah. You wear your bibs and I'll wear my farmer bibs. Oh. We still have yet to do that. No, I know. I'm, I'm glad I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing. Well, you don't want to see me in my like, farmer bibs and white shirt. So or... he's in those kind of bibs and then I'm in like dressy up bibs. No, I want to do, Nick would have to approve this. since he's Go to the like, farm? No, I want to. Yeah. Approved. No, I want to wear my bibs like I feed in, no shirt. Oh bib my overalls gosh. And I'm game for anything. See, I should be able to let do that. On the We're going to lose so many followers. 
<laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah. It's probably true, but it's unique. It, it is unique. It is unique. Probably be listen only that week. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or at least you just got on there, you saw it, and then you would be like, okay, yeah. I gotta go. My to eyes, my eyes. Yes. Yes. I gotta listen to part. So Jim, tell us a little bit about you. We already said Stephen, who was a couple of guests ago. Mm, more than that. Was yeah. It, it was yeah. when we were upstairs. Yeah. Was so like it? ten. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Either way, Stephen was one of our guests, obviously your son. So tell us a little bit about you, what's going on in your life, what's happening. I'm, uh, again, Jim Halstead, I've been a pastor for over 35 years. Wow. I've pastored Evangelical Free Church for 12, Christian Mission Alliance for 10, and 10 plus at Christian Reformed Church. Also, uh, 10 years as a special ed teacher. I literally taught every grade level, K through 12, and ordained in all three of those groups. And two years ago, it was around right now, I decided to retire from uh, pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. and to start full-time with Go and Tell Ministries. And so two years ago, I retired. I taught all last year. It's around a year ago right now was my last day of teaching. Wow. And I started Go Tell. I'm the founder of Go Tell Ministries. Uh, Ten years ago, I wrote an evangelism training workshop that's been endorsed by six denominations. And I literally now go around throughout the United States training people in the church who normally have never shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's made... Billy Graham said 80 to 90% of people in the church have never shared the gospel and asked someone to repent and profess faith. And I go specifically try and encourage and equip church members who've never shared to grow in delight with Jesus to declare the gospel and disciple others. So I'm doing that full-time. I started full-time with Go and Tell Ministries a year ago. We've actually raised support as a missionary full-time, and we're really trying to target mainly small churches that just need someone to, get to come in, kind of a conference atmosphere, conference speaker. And then we have a follow-up video series, which you guys was actually the pilot of a oh, year ago. Pilot. And I you guys that. were the pilot. <laughs> and now we're doing it full-time, and our books are out now for that new video series. And what's exciting is uh, also internationally, we're training pastors wow. throughout the world this book was just translated in Swahili, and four countries are using the Go and Tell ministry in Africa, in uh, Tanzania, wow. and other countries. Wow. And so right now, full-time, full throttle of seeking to equip the, gospel, equip the church to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so let's go back a little bit, because I'm assuming, because most people like you and maybe just everybody, when they're passionate about something, there's usually something in their life that, like, drives that passion. Mm-hmm. So being a... Uh, pastor for 35 years, right? 35? Yeah, 35. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so in that time, there had to be something (laughs) in there that would say, the reason that I'm so passionate about Go and Tell, because this is now uh, something that you've put together and that you're Mm -hmm. taking out and you're giving to churches, but I'm assuming in that 35 years that that was a thing that you were teaching anyway, and it's Mm -hmm. just become a little bit more formalized. But what, what actually got you to the place to say, We've got to do something, formalize this training, get it to be there. Like, what was that? What did you see? What were you hearing? Mm, what was happening yeah. inside of the church that made you or pushed you into? Because this is an undertaking. I mean, right. somebody just doesn't yeah. go out and create all these videos that you've done and spend all this time and raise support, you know, without being like, I'm passionate about mm-hmm. this. So can Purpose. you talk a little bit about that? You know, it's kind of, kind of twofold. Most people think if you're a pastor for 35 years, you grew up in the church, and I did not. Really? Uh, it was a very loving family, but we never went to church. And uh, I've joked before at the pulpit, you know, I was 6'3 in junior high, and uh, I wanted to be a basketball player. When I got to be a sophomore in high school, I went to the only meetings or any meetings I could go to that the senior basketball players went so they would pass me the ball. 
and I started going to Fellowship Christian Athletes. And as my sophomore, as a reason why I went, while I was at that, I would go to the meetings. The coach encouraged me, hey, Jim, we want to send you to the FCA National Conference. It was in 1976. I said, coach, I'd love to go, but I can't. I'm, I'm going to Bobby Knight's camp. I'm all excited. I'm an <laughs> IU fan, 1976. Yes, Bobby Knight. They just won the national championship. And the coach goes, well, Jim, Kent Benson is going to be at the camp at Central Michigan. Well, Kent Benson was my hero. Matter of fact, I learned a hook shot modeled after Kent Benson. And uh, with you know, that, I, I modeled I, mine for Uve Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Uve Bob. No. Yeah. I, I'm just going to remember it. Anyways. <laughs> Ask Stephen. That's how I get Stephen would know. Stephen. He would know. Well, yeah, Stephen and I play one on one. I have a patented hook shot. I okay. Can't stop it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I'm really no, good at good. We had to make sure we got the Uve Blob hook shot. Uve Blob. Yeah. Just for Stephen, too. <laughs> so, so, my, so my coach, uh, I said, Coach, I can't go. I don't have the finances. He goes, if we provide your way, will you go? I said, Coach, I'd love to go. I'd love to go meet Kent Benson. But I said, even if you provide my way, my parents aren't going to take me there. He goes, okay, Jim, if I provide your way, I'll drive you there and pick you up. Will you go? And I'm like, you throw in a meal. You got me. So I, <laughs> I went to that conference, and I went to that conference. They gave me a Bible. They gave a T-shirt with a cross on it. And I heard Kent Benson speak. And matter of fact, Kent Benson and I uh, – did a FCA fundraising conference just last month together. And I heard him say this. He goes, I would give up my national championship trophy. He had just won that. I would give up my Mr. Basketball trophy. Everything pales in comparing of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Mm. And I remember hearing that thinking, he has everything I want. And he says, Jesus is more. Mm. Afterwards, I went out. He got done with the speaking. I had a Bible they gave me, and I didn't put two and two together with the Bible. And I said, Kent, what you're saying is true. It's going to change my life. I literally said to Kent, they need to write a book about this. Mm. He goes, Jim, that's the Bible. It's in your hand. (laughs) I didn't know. I actually had him autograph it. Wow. I that still have amazing. it. You still have the Kent Benson I, Bible. Bible. And I probably thought he wrote it at that time. Because I, I didn't. And what amazes me, the only gods I knew at that time were what I heard in literature class from mm. the Iliad. Yeah. The Greek gods. Yes. I had no concept of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, Easter, Christmas, a relationship with him. I heard Kent Benson say, read this Bible. And I went home. It was a good news for modern man version, if you remember that old version. I read it through three times. I started going to church every week. I started examining to see if what Kent Benson said was true. A year later, I went back to that camp. And I said, Kent wasn't there, but I said, you guys are right. And, and I was a sinner. I mean, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I didn't kiss girls. I wanted to, but no one would. What? I, but you I was didn't a, kiss girls? How old were you? Yeah, yeah <laughs> not until I got married. Not until I got married. And Wow. I know. But I knew That's I amazing. was a lying, thieving murderous person at heart and I heard that Jesus died on the cross and the purpose of life was to know him and on August 7th 1977 I professed faith in Jesus and what happened I fell in love and I jumped off the cliff I mean I I just full throttled in love with Jesus and and with that I started telling my family about Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. I like to joke. I told my mama often that my mama was a sinner and that she was going to hell and needing Jesus. And you told your mom? Yeah, that's how I got this scar. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and mom uh, did not like that. Eventually told me to be quiet. But oh, what I was bet. funny, mom was concerned. She came into my room one day, a year later, after I accepted Christ. And, and back then, it was again 1978, Christian music was just starting. Really? And I was trying to find Christian music because I wanted to sing praise to God in my room. And the only album I could find was a Tom Netherton from the Lawrence Welk Singers. 
My mom comes. You know who no, that is, no. <laughs> Lawrence Welk singers. No. You don't know who Lawrence Welk bubbles? is. Bubbles. No. If I would have had the bubbles, bubbles. it would have put my mom over. You had to know Lawrence Welk. My mom comes a Lawrence Welk singer. I'm on my knees. I'm crying and I'm singing a song. And my mom leaves, looks at my father and says this, I understand him listening to ACDC and rock music. I don't understand him listening to Lawrence Welk. He's joined a cult. She was concerned. The cult of the Lawrence Welk singers. I was in love and I took off. Later, my mom and dad both came to Saving Faith in Jesus. I was able to perform their funerals and profess faith of their faith in Jesus. But I bring that, I was in love and I took off. And I was grateful. Years later, one amazing stories. This was in the 90s when after Stephen was born, I'm pastoring in Florida. I flew to Indianapolis out of Jacksonville. I was pastoring in Jacksonville, Florida. Visited my family. I was flying back. I was uh, in the Indianapolis airport. Our flight was delayed. And there was a lady that's working in one of the, you know, the bookstores I was in, waste, wasting some time. And mm-hmm. she looked at me. as an older lady. And she goes, I know you. And I said, you do? She goes, you played high school basketball at Plainfield. Oh, wow. And I was like, yes, wow. I did. That's amazing. And I said, uh, well, how do, you, how do you know me? I'm, she goes, what was your name? I, I go, Jim. She goes, Jim Halstead. I go, how do you know me? I, I wasn't that good. <laughs> she goes, funny thing, my husband just passed every year back in the 70s. We sent a kid to FCA camp. Mm. We sent you one year. <gasps> no. We sent you one year. Whatever happened? Mm. And I said, Matt, because you sent me, I profess faith in Jesus. Now oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, my gosh. Then I heard my flight. I hugged her, and we left. I forgot her name because I, I do that. Mm-hmm. I met the gal. And what I learned later from FCA staff, the reason she remembered me, she not only paid my way to go to camp in 1976, but unknown to me that whole year, she prayed for me. Mm. She was at my games praying for my salvation to come to know Jesus. Oh, my gosh. And then 20 years later, I meet her random, but she'd never forgotten. Yeah. And, and I've never forgotten her. And, and out of that, it's stories like that. People have invested in me to come to know Jesus. Uh, it was a blessing getting with Kent Benson last month to share my story, to hear him speak, to meet the lady who got me there, Coach Mustin, my coach who got me to FCA. They've invested in me. They changed my life to know the reality of Jesus Christ. And with that, I want to change others to know him as well. You know, Philemon, Paul said it this way, I pray that you'll be active of sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing in Christ. Mm. I want people to know that good thing right. of knowing how God's used you to change people's life, to know Jesus, the only way to salvation. And through that, after 35 years of ministry, you know, I, I've pastored three different churches and three denominations, but I was always an evangelist who was a senior pastor. Mm. And I feel like God has got me in a position now through 35 years of pastoral experience, 10 years of teaching special ed, to equip the church to share the gospel. Because as you know, the church is not doing it today. Matter of fact, uh, Barna just did a report, and I shared this on our video series. When they asked the church, what is the Great Commission? Over 55% did not even know, never heard of the Great Commission. 25% had heard it, but they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. Only 17%, only 17% knew the Great Commission was out of Matthew 28, that the command that we are called to make disciples. And Go and Tell Ministries is set to, for that purpose, to make disciples by going, being with the lost, by baptizing those, delighting in God, and by also discipling others. And I've realized as a pastor, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why people don't share, but 
One is if you're not in love with Jesus, you won't talk about him. And the big problem is there's a lot of people who attend church who know about Jesus, Mm -hmm. but they're not in love with him. The other problem, if you don't know how to share the gospel or what track to run on to initiate a gospel conversation, how to explain the salvation to someone else, you will never initiate and do it. And what I've realized is majority of people have no concept of how to share the gospel, even though they've been in church all their life. Then the other aspect is discipling others. Most people think discipleship is just attending church and hearing a pastor talk. And discipleship is what you guys, we just talked about earlier. It's meeting in small groups. It's meeting one-on-one of spurring each other on to what to delight in Jesus and declare the gospel. Mm -hmm. And with all of that, you know, life is lived forward and understood backwards. God has used 35 years of ministry, 10 years of teaching special ed, prepare me for right now, for this moment to equip the church to share the gospel through Go and Tell Ministries. And it's bloomed beyond I imagined from mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah, so th- amazing. again, the thing that has amazed me in the life of being you know, in ministry, whether it's part-time ministry or full-time ministry, I don't even know how, like that statistic you gave from Barna, mm-hmm. I don't know how a pastor, and again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but how in the world would you go to church in, only, in the United States of America and only 17% of the people have not heard about the Great Commission. Like, I don't even understand that. Like, how could you be preaching in the Bible if people don't understand the Great So what's broke? So first of all, part of what you're doing, and I, and I think this is a good thing, you're, you're filling a need that really obviously should have been done to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? I mean, we're, we're doing something like Go and Tell Ministries is going in to help and equip churches to be able to do it, partly because something's broke inside the church. Right. I mean... Not to pick on any church, but is so why did it get broke? Like, what are we missing inside of our churches today that, I mean, the only reason you have breath is to, to reach other people. So how is it that if the purpose on our on this earth is to reach people, that it gets missed inside of the church? You've seen it yeah. all. Mm. You know, I've only been here, you know, and I have a, an opinion, but you've been everywhere. You've seen lots of different churches. What, what is it that's missing? What is it that's broke? How are, how are churches dying? Like, if, yeah. how is that happening? Well, again, go and tell, and we're at goandtellministries.org. Goandtellministries.org is our webpage. You know, let me just start with the basic is just prayer, of just praying. One of the, one of the things I've realized, uh, Lifeway uh, Southern Baptist Branch, mm-hmm. their bookstore, did a study several years ago on prayer. And this statistic, I have it in my car. They surveyed hundreds of thousands of people in the church who attend church on mm-hmm. a regular basis. More people, in that survey, they were surveying what you prayed for. More people prayed to win the lottery wow. than they prayed to win their neighbors. Wow. More people, statistic, prayed to win the lottery than praying for their lost neighbors for their salvation. And I've realized as a pastor, one of the most important things to do in salvation is to pray for the lost by name. Mm-hmm. Because as you pray for the lost by name, a couple things happen. And, and so, Mike, just to kind of let you know, we've been blessed. Of My son married, married well. He married well. <laughs> He's got Mike's daughter, Alexa, and we love Alexa. But ever since they've been married him before, my wife and I, we, we pray together every day, if not twice a day. Mike, I literally pray for you every day. I pray for your ministry. I pray for your, the farm. I pray for your family. I pray for your walk. And I've realized as I pray for you, two things happen. One, when I pray for you, God's going to do something in your life that he would not have done if I didn't pray. That's what prayer is. Mm-hmm. But what I've also realized is I've prayed for you daily. God has given his heart for you to me. Mm-hmm. I have God's heart for you. Mm-hmm. 
I love you, brother. I, I love you with a passion. And what the church has missed is they've stopped praying for the lost by name mm-hmm. in that they love themselves more if they're praying for, to win the lottery. But as you begin to pray for the lost by name, what I've realized as a pap pastor is this over 35 years pastoral ministry and as evangelist the people who pray for the lost by name are the people who share the gospel and the people who do not pray for the lost by name never share because as you pray for the lost by name God gives you his heart he will literally move you to love them in deed or word or to share the gospel. He will move you, and he'll move you with compassion. And so that way, as you share the gospel, and then they have to see that they're lost. They're going to have to see that they're sinner to have a Savior. Right. And my wife always says, you know, we do the kind of the, we use the way of the master tool. She goes, it's amazing to me that you get people to admit that they're lying, thieving, adulterous people at heart going to hell, and they love you. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, I pray for them, and I love them. So when it comes across, it comes across with a brokenness. And what's broken the church is that people are praying to win the lottery. They're praying for themselves. They're not praying for the glory of God, for the advancement of God's kingdom, and they're not praying for others and ministering their needs. Because when you do that, God changes you, and he gives you a heart of brokenness and to care for other people. And that's probably the most important thing in evangelism. When we do our trainings, not only in our evangelism workshops, but also with the Go and Tell Great Commission study, that's one of the most important things we say. If you take this study, if you take the workshop and you don't pray, you're never going to share. Because our goal is to raise people not to uh, go preach at downtown Fort Wayne mm-hmm. at the courthouse. Our goal is to have people bloom where they're planted, yeah. that they'll share the gospel with their coworkers, with their families, with the person that they're in the bowling league with, the softball team, their neighbors, the, where they go to Panera's, to open up your eyes and see God has placed people into your life. And as you begin to pray, God will not only move the people, but most importantly, he moves you, and he moves you to share. I, I taught the Go and Tell Evangelism workshop in Hopkins, Michigan, six weeks ago. A church had very few salvations in a year. A church had 100 people take the workshop of a church of 200. A month later, they've had three salvations, and during the sermon, the whole sermon was three people came up. The pastor asked them questions of, of who you've been praying for. They shared how they've been praying for someone. They shared how God led them to speak to them. And then they had two salvations. They had those two salvations of people there. Then another person, someone who hasn't been walking with Jesus, who came back. The whole sermon was three people sharing their story, how they began to pray for people. God moved them to share, and they saw salvations, or we saw reconciliation of someone back into the church. And what we're hearing from churches as we do this training you're moving our church to pray to delight in Jesus. And as they delight in Jesus, you will declare the gospel. Yeah, but don't you, that's what I keep coming mm. back to. Like, don't you think that's odd? Like, don't you think it's odd that, and again, not to pick on any church. I mean, but isn't it odd that, and, and, and I've always asked myself this question. So what responsibility do we as a staff take? So whether it's Jenny putting stuff out on social media, whether it's Nick or Dan, you know, uh, helping produce this podcast or doing what we do on Sunday morning, how much responsibility do we need to take if our church isn't doing that? Because I just, again, I would assume that we have some level of control of that as pastors or leaders of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Don't we have some sort of control, of, not control, but... Well, you hope, you're hopefully you're, you're, you're spurring each other on towards love and good deeds and through small groups, through Sunday school. One of the things my goal is we do go tell is to get have accountability of praying for the lost by name. Everything begins with that. Mm-hmm. And it also begins with this. You've got to be walking in love with Jesus because right. you, you will talk about what you love. I mean, right. we can talk about for IU sure. basketball right now, and we could go on and on. Right. I love IU basketball. <laughs> 
but do you love Jesus? People will talk about what they love, and I think it really shows how much people don't love Jesus if you're not willing to talk about him. And so part of it is uh, we seek to, in our Great Commission study, is helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus of how to pray, not only for the lost, but for couples, how to pray together as a couple. I've seen as a pastor, again, basic things that we take for granted people just don't do. As I go and I do my workshop of challenging people to read the Word of God, you see in people's eyes, people are not regularly reading the Word of God devotionally to meet Jesus. When I ask people, are you praying for your spouse, I see heads go down. People are not praying for their spouse and their children, praying together. The basics is, again, growing in delight with Jesus, and then with the go and tell, having a track to run on of how to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's where that, that's the purpose of the church, is you come together to fan that flame of love, because mm -hmm. everything in the world is going to take you away from it. Right. Everything of the busyness of the world to the, you know, it's a parable of the sower. Business of the world, riches, everything will take you away. That's why we come together as a body to spur each other on to, to make the major the major and the minor the minor things. Yeah. And Jesus is major. Yeah, so, so it's obvious that statistically things inside of the church, to use your terms or maybe all of our terms, is broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it comes to what we would consider the foundational piece of Christianity. Right. And again, I'm summing up what you're saying. Love Jesus. Yeah reach people right, right. so the, the sum of the gospel love him with all of your heart mind and soul and love other people right, right? Like right. get out there and love other people so in in your words maybe all of our that's mm -hmm. broke inside of the church yeah right? so you're saying that they're not nobody's preaching that or not well, nobody what, yeah, but so that's in the church to, what I'm yeah to decide is we would agree that it's not that everything's broke but foundationally there's things that are broken, right. right? And and foundationally, if if we and he's right, like if people don't love Jesus, yeah. Because again, you're right. Talk to anybody mm -hmm. and have a conversation with them. If it's about something they love, it's yeah. like you can't get them to stop talking. Yeah. But if it's not, if you don't love Jesus, yeah, why would you talk about it if you don't have love, mm -hmm. right? If that piece isn't in there, which is a part of what we need to work on. Then this whole idea of how to not be selfish, right? right. And that's what you're talking about is part of the reason you would pray for somebody else is because you're stripping yourself of your own selfish desires, right? Mm. Which is, tends to be what's sometimes promoted inside of the church. Pray that you get what you want. Yes. Right. right? Pray for your needs and your yeah. health and your money and your stuff. And then if you have any time left over, pray for somebody else. Right. But you're flipping it all over and obviously, go and tell is just bringing it back to the basics of what it right. should be, right? right. Just saying, you need to love Jesus, and you need to be able to, to love other people in a way that's not just saying, I love you, but saying, I love you enough to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, it's interesting, I, I was in Goshen, uh, I was in Bristol last month and had a crazy introduction. I taught a Sunday school class that gives a intro to the go and tell. And uh, the pastor who runs that church used to be my worship leader, just godly man, pastor of a small church, 50 to 70. And uh, the worship leader said, I want to introduce Jim. And, and it, was a, it was the best introduction I've ever had. It's a little bit different. <laughs> he goes, you know, we have a godly pastor, Pastor Rod, and he preaches the word. He's been challenging us evangelism of loving God and loving others. Mm -hmm. But he goes, it made me, after hearing Jim this morning, and this is the intro before I preach, but they heard me teach. He goes, uh, it made me think when I first got married. When I first got married, my father-in-law was a jerk, and he kept getting on me about my hair. He didn't like the way I combed over my hair because the guy was going a little bit bald. And he kept doing it for a year, and it just really frustrated me. Then I, I had a job interview a year later. It went well. They offered me the job. I took it. At the end of the interview, the interviewer said this, could 
could I bring something up personally to you? He goes, sure, you can. He goes, your comb over isn't working. <laughs> and he goes, and at that moment, I realized something. My father-in-law has been telling me that for a year. Right. Everyone's laughing in the church. And he said this, Pastor Rod has been mm. challenging us to love Jesus and love others. But when I heard Jim, I finally heard it today. And I say that, I, I, as I go and I meet with so many pastors, almost consistently, the pastors have a heart for evangelism, a heart to love Jesus, love others, get their people to do it. But the pull and the weight of church and of life and everything else, sometimes the people just don't listen. Mm -hmm. Or they're, they're concerned about other things and their kids and their main concern. When we go into the church, we're getting the church back at the basic. And what we're seeing is people are saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. What you're saying is nothing new. We just finally have heard it once again. Mm. Right. And the heart of loving Jesus and loving others. The great great right. com commission and the great commandment together. Well, and I think this is something we've talked about this before, is, is that one of the jobs of leadership at a church is to create culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so culture is only created when all of the staff is a part of culture, not just the pastor, mm -hmm. right? So the pastor can't just be an evangelist and nobody else, right? right. The staff has to exhibit a culture. And again, they see that culture through everything that we do, whether it's the business for missions that we have, whether mm -hmm. it be the social media posts we put out, the this videos podcast. we put out. It has, to, it has to have a culture of, right? Of Because again, you, you've seen this in people. It's like, you have to create a culture. And once people understand the culture, they want to be a part of a culture that fits them. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what I love about Go and Tell. Because you can still create a culture, but when you bring somebody in that specifically is focusing on something, you can take a culture and you feel a draw and you feel this like, oh, I need to know, but I don't know what to do, right? And I think that just sets up beautifully for somebody to come in like Jim, you know, through Go and Tell. So we have the right cultures going on, but you need to like fine tune it down and say, let me give you some tools, right? right. And that that's the thing that I think Go and Tell does such a great job of is we can be preaching from the front. We can be creating culture. But we're always telling people, like, you need to take a next step or you need right. another mm -hmm. action or you need to do. And a lot of people are lost with, I don't know what to do. I really do want to reach my friends. Right. I really do want to reach my kids. I really do want to, you know, make that effort. But I don't know what that next step is. But we first have to have created a culture that's going to push towards when Go and Tell comes. They're like, that's the tool I needed. Yeah. That's right. the tool I needed. And I think that's, you know, a tool that you've provided is saying to us as churches who's creating the culture and telling people what seems to be easy, reach your friends, right? Reach, yeah. You know, reach your family, like minister to the people around you isn't as easy as maybe we think it is. Mm -hmm. right? And so go and tell can come in and make it very specific and say, and that's some of what you're saying is we can be saying it, but when you come in and drill down to it, you know, people can hear it in a different way or like a parent right. telling a kid, but then yes. some outside source says yes. the same exact same thing. thing. And, they, yeah. and that's, yeah. and, and that's sure exactly that's annoying. it. You can't believe <laughs> yeah. as a parent, there's nothing more annoying. Oh, I bet. So, right? I bet. Yeah. Like when you yeah. sit there, Nick, did you ever have these things where you tell your kids a hundred times one thing and then they come home and tell you, Hey, so -and -so this said. teacher said, and it was so good and so right. Why haven't you been telling me yeah. this? It feels like every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Right. I mean, we, again, and that's some of what you're saying though, right? right. Like it's, Hey, we, that's so interesting. we try to say it, but then when somebody else says it, we hear it a different way. Yeah. So we, you know, we've got a go and tell ministry weekend when we come in for a weekend and we've, we've done it here at Life Church. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we teach the workshop, mm -hmm. and it's a three-hour workshop. And what motivates people is I'm an evangelist who have stories, hundreds of stories 
of I've seen it, and I've seen it not only with, with my life, but who I've discipled. It's the stories that permeates hard, and you just and you see the special ed teacher. You just learn two acrostics and Bible verses, because it's all about a relationship. It's your relationship with Jesus, and it's your relationship with others. Mm-hmm. So we come into the workshop, preach to hopefully motivate and inspire. Hey, this is what I've got to do, and then what we're excited about is the Great Commission study, which you guys again were the first test group, and it's now all out on our website at goandtellministries.org. That seven videos, 20, 25 minutes in length on the Great Commission, and you're learning the things that are in the Go Tell Evangelism workshop, but there's more, and what's more is the homework. There's got to be accountability with other people to grow into love with Jesus, delight in Him. There's got to be accountability with other believers of praying for the lost and of sharing the gospel, and there's got to be accountability of discipling others. Right. And that's what's missing. And so with the new study, uh, we're, again, it just came out, and people are taking it, and I'm excited about leading it right now as well. We feel it's the accountability, it's the next step. Because when you take the workshop, you've learned how to do it, but unless you're praying with someone to be accountable to grow in love mm-hmm. and declare the gospel, you won't do it. And that's the culture you're trying to develop as a church. Right. And uh, this is just one of the tools. There's a lot of different tools out there evangelistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been one tool, and again, we've been uh, excited with the endorsements we've got from a lot of different groups of doing this. And Well, and again, Jim, don't you guys, I haven't seen all of the new stuff that's come out. Like we had a few of the things, right. you know, but you guys were developing some of the more. But right. inside of that is stories, right? right? Like you're teaching, but there's also stories of like this is how it works, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and so we have testimonials. Yeah. When when you guys did it, we were just decided that uh, we needed to add these stories. Right. But let me just tell a story that just happened last week. So in the first video in the Great Commission study, mm-hmm. I tell the story of Bill. Now, uh, Bill's wife, Sherry, is actually in my Bible study group right now doing the Great Commission study. When I was uh, just finished teaching and I was pastoring, her and Bill were separated for a little bit. She came to met with me make a long story short, she professed faith in Jesus. We began to pray for her husband's Bill's salvation Mm. and for her daughter Jessica's salvation and Jessica's boyfriend, Matt. They all professed faith after three to five years. But in the uh, the video, I tell Bill's story of how we started meeting. He came to church once a quarter, and we would meet once a quarter. I was praying for his salvation three to four times a day. And I, again, I went through the GoTel presentation of just asking you know, about his family. I heard how, where he grew up. I heard also what his interests. He loved fishing. He loved going on a boat. He also had a Methodist, some background, knew a little bit of the church gospel, but not much. And I finally asked him, can I ask you a spiritual question? He says, sure, Jim. And I said, Bill, if you were to stand before God and he would to ask you, why should I let you heaven, what would you say? And he basically gave a good works answer. And then I said, well, let's mm. look at God's law, Bill, to see how we stand according to God's law. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit higher than ours. And he said, could I ask you some question according to God's law? And he said, sure. And I said, well, one of God's laws, thou shalt not lie. Have you ever lied, Bill? And he said, yeah. I go, why do you call someone who lies? He said, a liar. Have you ever stolen? That's another command. Yes. Why do you call someone who steals a thief? Another command is thou shalt not commit murder. And Jesus said, murder is having anger at another person. Have you ever done that? And he said, yes. I said, Bill, you've just told me you're a lying, thieving, murderous person at heart. He literally laughed. I go, Bill, if you stood before God, would you be innocent or guilty? He goes, I'd, I'd be guilty. I said, Bill, we haven't even looked at the other commandments. Would you go to heaven or hell because of your sin? He goes, I'd go to hell. Does that concern you? He said, yes. And I shared the gospel and I could just see in his face. He wasn't convicted. He just acknowledged it. And, and I said, Bill, let's just start getting together. So we'd get together, I don't know, once a quarter or once two months. And and we would talk about Jesus, talk about fishing. One day he came in almost a year later. And he goes, hey, Bill, how you doing? He looked at me and he literally said this, Jim, just want you to know 
I haven't repented. I'm still going to hell. And I said, hey, praise oh. God, Bill. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I was fishing yesterday. Oh, my. So that went on. Three years goes in, and he's having major heart surgery. And the family mm -hmm. asked me to go to their house on a Sunday and to pray for him. So I went to the house. The whole family's there. And I went through the same thing with Bill again. I asked him the questions. He admitted he was a sinner, admitted going to hell. I shared the gospel. And then at the end, he goes, I guess, Jim, what you're saying is if I just pray a prayer, God's going to heal me. And I said, Bill, that's not it at all. Bill, what I'm saying is you've got to see your sin. You've got to be broken of it. You've got to repent. And then you've got to realize Jesus is your only hope of forgiveness and salvation. And you need a new heart, Bill. And you don't grasp that. I go, Bill, when you grasp that you need a new heart and when you repent and you ask Jesus for forgiveness and profess faith in him, become born again, call me. That was a Sunday. Surgery was Thursday. Two days later, he calls me. I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan for a conference. And, and I got a phone call from Bill with a broken heart. Mm. And he says, Jim, I saw it last night. I saw I've sinned against my wife. I saw I sinned against God. I saw I was desperate. I was going to hell. And I realized Jesus... He took, he took my payment, his death on the cross, I'm forgiven. I prayed to receive him, like you said, and he goes, could you come see me the next day? And I, before surgery, I went to see him the next day, and he goes, Jim, I just have one question for you. I said, what's that, Bill? He goes, when I prayed that yesterday, it was like a thousand pound weight was lifted off my shoulder. He goes, have you ever heard that before? And I said, <laughs> no, Bill, I've never heard never. that ever. <laughs> I said, yes, Bill, everyone says that. We prayed healed with the surgery. That was, gosh, you know, five years ago. Last week I was with Bill. He's at home. He's under now hospice care. He's dying. Mm. He came in. He can't really talk more with the tumor. But I said, I showed him that video in the first video. He goes, Bill, I just want to let you know, I want you to watch this video. You haven't seen it. I tell them their story. And by the way, they watched this in India last month and they watched it in Tanzania yesterday. Mm. And he shared, I shared that video with his nurse, with a family member, and Bill is talking away, yes, Jesus. Mm. He confirmed his salvation, that he was with Jesus. He held my hand, we prayed, and as I looked at everyone, the nurse was crying, mm. the family friend was crying, his wife was crying, his daughter was crying. I want to see people share the gospel, that they can experience moments of life like that of a changed life yeah. and of someone rejoicing that they know Jesus because you've shared with them. And I'm close to that family. And I know I'll be doing Bill's funeral probably in a month, right. but he knows Jesus has changed his life. And even in the midst of that moment, he was ready to meet and he's ready to meet Jesus. Well, and with that, wow. so, I mean, let's, so part of what we've talked about for years is, is that the power of a story, right? Because oh yeah, I mean, when it comes to, it's one thing to know how to explain the gospel. It's another thing to equate it to life change. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like for the people that are sitting out there that are like, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make sense. But that's why we do all of our baptism interviews right. and we put them on video. That's mm -hmm. why we try to show, share stories and testimonies. Through, so, because the power of a testimony is as important to the work mm -hmm. as it is to share the gospel. Amen. Right? Those yeah. testimonies are the things for people that, and that's why I've always told people, listen, I don't know why you don't think you need to share your testimony. You don't have to come from a crack house no. to have a testimony. <laughs> no. Right? I no. Mean, that's what we've right. been saying is like you don't have to have this huge story. You just have to have before Jesus and after Jesus. And when there is a before and after Jesus, Amen. there's life change. Right? Yeah. We need to, to share that. Now, the other thing that you talked about was this idea of 
he got to the to a place which I think this is where a lot of people get. Usually, it's something in life that rocks people, mm-hmm. right? Or something yeah. in life that um, spurs somebody to think deeper, right? Than just, hey, you know, I'm going through life, nothing's really wrong. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a heart condition or whether or not it's a, you know, so we all know that the work that goes in beforehand sometimes seems unfruitful, mm-hmm. you know, because we say it and we meet and we say it and we meet and we say it and we meet, but we're really planting the seeds. I mean, that's uh, what yeah. scripture talks about. Plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed, because at some point there is going to be a moment, yeah. you know, that God's going to call it in, right? And he's going to, the Holy Spirit is going to draw that person closer and they, they're going to need to know where to go. Yeah, and right? they will right. immediately. Right. But that would be the point if right. you, play, you plant right. the seed, right? Because yeah. Other people out there trying to plant a seed too, you know. That's the one thing that's funny is is that, you know, the big the big knock on Christianity from from Islam mm-hmm. is, is that you don't ever you don't care about your God. Like you just take him so lightly. You don't really hmm. care about, you know. You're not even that excited about him. Like we'll die for him, and Christians will barely talk about him. Yeah, you know. And so they're out planting the seed, be followers, mm-hmm. trying to win people over. And so moments of crisis. That's why you see Islam growing. You know, it's because in moments of crisis, people have heard it from other people. Right? Mm-hmm. Compared to sharing the gospel, putting it out there, planting the seeds, God draws, you had an opportunity to share. Right. Right. Well, you know, with that also, God has to bring a heart to brokenness. Right. You're yeah. not, you know, you're not accepting Christ. Bill didn't accept Christ to get his health. It came a time he saw his sin and he was broken. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to understand the comfort of the gospel, you've got to be uncomfortable with your sin. Right. And you've got to continually pray. I've had people, I've had pastors literally take the Go and Tell Evangelism workshop training and they, they told me this. One thing I, I learned from this, I have prayed for someone and I've shared the gospel, but I've only done it once. What I didn't do was hang in years with someone. Wow. When, when my oldest daughter, Julie, was born in Florida, uh, we, we took a church in Jacksonville, Florida in 1987. She was born Christmas Eve, 87. Matter of fact, a funny story about that. I'm at the hospital. I call the church. It's towards the end of the Christmas Eve candlelight service. I said, she's born. Sing the hallelujah chorus and go home. And they literally did that. Really? They sang, Julie's born, Julie's born. So, uh, so after she was born, all our family lived here in Indiana, and I had... Uh, Uncle Dick and Miss Ann, he was a deacon at the church I pastored, and Miss Ann, Miss Ann, they watched Julie one night a week at their house for nine years. Mm-hmm. They were, she was my Atlantic Beach mom. Well, after I got to know her after four or five months, I looked at Miss Ann, I go, Miss Ann, you're not a believer. And she goes, honey, I know, just don't tell the church. Oh, <laughs> I go, well, Miss Ann, she goes, I'm not ready yet. And so, as, and I share that about Miss Ann, I prayed for her salvation probably daily for nine years. Wow. And we would talk, and I would just look at her and touch her hand. Are you ready? I'm not ready yet. And she raised, helped watch my daughter one mm-hmm. night a week for nine years. You know how important that is as a, as a dad. Nine years later, I come home. We now have three kids. My wife, Christy, meets me at the door, taking the three kids to the park. And I go, what's up? I see Miss Ann's here. And she, my wife kissed me on the cheek and said, Miss Ann says she's ready. She's been waiting all afternoon wow. for you. And she prayed to receive Jesus. Great joy. Well, last month, I, uh, Miss Ann lives in F- Florida. They moved to a uh, facility. Her daughter, Lynn's down there. It's in Sarasota. And I've lost track a couple years, haven't called her. And God moved me in my spirit. You need to send a picture book. And so I sent pictures of Stephen and Alexa's wedding, a lot of them, and my youngest, Amy, who got married last year. Well, it's interesting. I sent it, and the day she got it, Miss Ann called me. 
And she, again, hey, Miss Ann, hey, son, because she called me her Atlantic Beach son. She goes, you sent that book on the right day. I said, well, Miss Ann, God just told me to send it. I love you. I miss you. No, you didn't hear me, son. You sent it on the right day. Today, Dick died. Oh, wow. Oh. And I got that book, and you have no idea what it meant. Hmm. I say all that. I firmly believe it's the Holy Spirit opens mm-hmm. up hearts, yeah. and the Holy Spirit will literally move you to do things. Yes. Right. He moved me to pray for her daily, and I had faith that God loved Miss Ann far more than I did, and I loved her greatly. And nine years later, after daily prayers for her salvation, she opened her heart and she repented. And then several years later, God leads me when I haven't thought of her for a couple mm-hmm. of years, yeah. make her a book. And I was just moved that I had to do that right then. Of all days, she got it. She got it when her husband died, and she wanted to call and tell me she loved me. You know, God is a relational God. And as we grow in love with Jesus and as we pray for others, we grow in love with others. Uh, There's, I love Miss Anna. She loves me. And the people that I've shared the gospel with, it's, you know, it's one thing I told you with GoTel, we raise support as a ministry. I'm a missionary. I raise support. But most of my support has all come from the people that I've seen accept Jesus and I disciple. Right. And our goal is continually, I want people to experience this. You know, right. why do I do what I do? Jesus has changed my life, and it's been a joy seeing Jesus somehow use me right. to change others' lives, to make disciples who will then make disciples. Mm. Yeah, so let's, let's take that and lead into some questions that we have. Because sure. here's the thing that yeah. I think goes with a lot of what Jim's saying is, is that Part of the challenge inside of the church, right, is not only creating a culture, right? So we want to create a culture. We want to be able to get people open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want Amen. people to be praying for the lost. We want people to be actively seeking out, understanding how to be able to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. But part of the issue, you know, inside of a church like where we are today at Life, you know, mm-hmm. Life Church started 18 years ago, mm-hmm. very few people. Everybody knew everybody. Life Church isn't right. 18 people anymore. You know, Life Church is way bigger than that. And so part of the process of growth, right, is, is that, yeah, people are outreaching people. They're out there evangelizing their friends. But the bigger the church gets, the harder it is to have that intimacy, right? Getting mm-hmm. to know people, being able to check in on them, knowing people by name. So some of the things that are lost sometimes as the church grows is how do you figure out how to be in uh, intentional relationship yeah. with how do you make sure that people that we know people so we can help them take their next steps so that's one of the questions we got yeah. so one of the things we do here at the podcast is, is that jenny and nick came up with a number so nick you could even put that number up there so this is a number it's part of a uh, podcast group if you want yep. to explain it jenny. yeah so when you text this number you get into the podcast group when you text podcast and you can ask questions you can leave comments you, if you want to be a guest you can be on there um, anything that you want to know or just talk to us about, we want to talk to you back. Yeah, and so the great thing about it is is that that's the other part of continuing this conversation. Yeah. So people that are watching or listening, we want this to be conversational, right? Like we want to be able to hear what you have to say, again, get the perspective of all of right. us in the room to be able to understand how can we better serve the people that are listening yeah. and watching. So, Nick, the first question that you had uh, that came in, yeah, um, it's a, it's for everyone. Like, what are you? So um, this is from Angie. Sorry. Um, what are <laughs> yeah, you, quit forgetting the names, Nick. <laughs> Angie. Angie. Um, Angie asks, "What are you doing to meet new people?" 
Yeah, so that so and again maybe put the put the other emphasis behind it. Why is that important to Angie? Uh, Angie <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Why is that important to Angie? Huh? She said we've been coming for a year now and just met Mike a few weeks ago. <laughs> a year. I know. But you had just said it I'm sure it is super hard. No, to, I, just, I can't even imagine. That's the how do we how do we do that? So yeah. in her case, she's saying how do we get to know new people? inside of a church especially that has two services Mm -hmm. and inside of our two services the transition time isn't very long because i preach too long you know imagine that time and so everybody's going in and out right how do we do a better job as church leadership how do we do a better job of understanding one how people can meet people Mm -hmm. right because that would be the other part of it like how do people meet people Mm -hmm. you know so for Angie, I think it's like, how do we know other people? And how does the, they get to know the people on the staff that can better help them? So, Jenny, do you want to start? Like, what's, what's your advice mm-hmm. to how to either being in Angie's shoes? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you recommend to her? Like, how does she get to know more people? Or how does she get to know the staff? And what would should we do better to mm-hmm. be able to get to know people? Well, I think by going to anything that we have promoted. So, Grow Night would be a great place to meet somebody like anything like that has an extra activity Mm -hmm. bible studies um i think you really have to be intentional because it is such a short period of time and because it is like it is hard to meet people i feel like as you get older it's really Mm -hmm. even harder but by going places yeah so you would say to the people that are in there that are trying to get connected Mm -hmm. right because this is a thing we hear all the time in life it's hard to get connected so we would always say one of the easiest ways to do that is to serve Mm -hmm. right and some of those ways are really easy whether it's being a greeter on sunday morning right you know whether it's mm. help serve donuts because it gets you in a smaller circle mm-hmm. so when you're in that smaller circle it's you get to know more people because you're interacting with one mm-hmm. one of the leaders of the church and two we see you at a different level because it's not just a sunday morning trying to mm-hmm. you know get involved so we always tell people like if you could just serve you know in something because there's other service areas to do that might be more intimidating like what Nick and yeah. Dan are doing or, you know, being in children's or youth mm-hmm. or being on the worship team. But there are other opportunities to be able to do that. So, yeah. that, you know, you can get in there. So. Yeah. The front door, you can meet a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Right. You can be a front door greeter. Yeah. That yeah. is fun being up there. Yeah. And what about from a, from our standpoint, so mm-hmm. from the people that are on staff here at church and things, what could we do better to help get to know more people? I think we could be more intentional. I think it's easy, especially during a Sunday, to get caught up in what you're doing. I know I have a problem with that, and I need to, if I see somebody or if just, I don't know, I guess for me, like being on social media and everything, if somebody is commenting or if I see something, then I should go up to that person and start a conversation. And just get to know them better. Yeah. Jim, thoughts? The intentionality is important. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot to offer here at Life Church for different activities, growth groups, and things to get involved. And, uh, you know, it's interesting of pastoring three different churches. We're actually, we visit different churches a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm either preaching or we, we visit other churches in town. It's just to see uh, often as you come in as a visitor and people don't know you, how you're received. Mm. Yeah. And uh, hopefully just encourage, you know, uh, best way to have a friend is what the old saying is to be a friend. Right. And as 
intentionality of reaching out to other people in the church, mm-hmm. uh, being a servant, as you said. Right. And then also for the staff, trying to get to know. And, and I always felt as a staff, I was trying to connect people in small groups. Because as you know, relational, you're not going to know two or 300 people. Right. You're going to be in a group of around 10 or 15 to know people, mm-hmm. maybe a group of three or four. So look at Jesus. He had the 12 disciples right. and the close three. Yeah, That's about the reality of life, if you, th- you think of it. Right. But then with the big celebration of the church. And mm-hmm. so what I like, uh, what you guys offer in the churches that I see are growing is the aspect to get involved in relationships to help you delight in God, mm-hmm. love each other, and also minister to others. Yeah, I want to add in also one place that has helped me like really get to know people in the church has been Champs mm-hmm. because there are classes over there. You get to know people when you're in pain more <laughs> intense. <laughs> yes, it's just uh, like a bonding, I guess. Right. Champs working out, but being over there and just like being in the cafe. So definitely Mm -hmm. being a part of our missions, whether you're working out or just here, you're going to talk to somebody and meet somebody. Right. Yeah. So I would say from my end of it, and this is not in Angie's case, but just in everybody, this is what I try to tell everybody. I'm not a politician. So one of the things you're not going to see me do is walking around shaking everybody's hand and kissing babies. Like that's not, (laughs) I just don't do that. I like authentic relationships. I want to say hi to people, but I don't want to just make sure that I say hi to a hundred people on a Sunday morning, because I just think that seems very inauthentic. Yeah. Just walking by, tapping them on the shoulder. Hey, what's going on? And then just walking through. So Mm -hmm. I want to do the best I can to get to know people, but at the same time, you don't want to be fake. You know, just to mm-hmm. say you shook somebody's hand or you said hi to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I always told people, one, reach out to me. Like, I think my number's somewhere on something that you could get a hold of me. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's what I think. I yeah, mean, I somewhere. I have numbers on one of the cards that people could text me. Yeah. Have a meeting with me. I meet with lots and lots and lots of people. And so reach out. I want to want to meet with you if I've never met you. And or take our Discover Life class. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Discover Life is you get to know more people on the staff and you mm-hmm. get to know the story of the church and you get to know my story, like where I come from and what's what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation, and then for me to do the best that I can outside of the church to meet new people and, and get to know new people because we are praying for them. We are putting mm-hmm. ourselves in positions to get to know new people. Mm-hmm. So. All right, Nick, what's next? Um... This one was specifically for you, Mike, but I think everybody could answer. Yes. Um, (laughs) He doesn't want to be the only one on it. This is from Brenda. She says, I would like to know where Pastor Mike gets filled up. Do you have a go-to pastor that you listen to? Um, Yeah. Okay. Jenny, do you want to start? (laughs) Sure. Thanks, Brenda. I know. Hi, Brenda. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I, just like what we kind of said the last time when we were talking about our morning thing, just sitting and like soaking, whether it's just like in complete silence or in music. And then my Bible app, I love my Bible app, but lately I've been doing this thing where like before I come into work or start work, I will shut my office and I have battlefield of the mind. It's like a daily Mm -hmm. devotional and I'll sit there and I'll read it and then I'll, we'll journal about it the other day. Okay. Yesterday I wrote in my journal 4,000 words. That a girl. That's good. That's a lot. Yeah. And this is a big step for you. Because yes. We've been working on the whole journaling yes. thing for well, a Well, technically, time. I, yeah, I hadn't been doing it as much as I should since I was on vacation and all, right. like getting back to normal. But I had a lot to say. It's just amazing hmm. how much you can realize within yourself and God. Like, I feel like that's one of the times that he speaks to me is like 
when I'm like purposely sitting down and like hashing through everything because in my mind there are like 5,000 things going on. So it's really hard to know, like, I don't know, to I guess just to get like a clear picture of what he's saying. But when I write it down, especially with a guidance of a devotional, just beautiful. Yeah, good. Jim, thoughts? Yeah, same. Uh, I've, back in 1985, I had a pastor at my chapel and seminary hold up his Bible and said he's read it through 50 times. He was 70 years old. Wow. And he said he started reading through the whole Bible at 20. And I started doing that January 1st, 1986. And what's amazing, it takes me longer to read the Bible every day now than before because as you read it, God is speaking more and showing. Mm -hmm. And I have several accountability partners that I meet with that are asking me, are you reading the scripture? Or are you praying with your spouse? Mm -hmm. They're encouraging me, and I have different people that I watch on YouTube. Ray mm -hmm. Comfort is one I love and, and others. And uh, discipling others. So I have other people in my life to spur me on, and uh, but also being still and being with God is a great joy, but you've, you've got to be uh, delighting to declare. Yeah, so great question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that was good. For mine, it's a lot about rhythm. So mm -hmm. there's some foundational things that I do to get filled up. Obviously, that's my quiet time, you know, and my devotional and journaling life. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just something that's really foundational for me is, is that I need to be in the Word, and I need to be, because I'm not one... For anybody that knows me, I don't really share my feelings or my heart. Even my, you know, people that are closest to me would say, you don't really share in your deepest burdens. And I'm like, it's because I share them with God. Like, I, that's part mm -hmm. of my, mm -hmm. like, I, in my journal, you're going to read a lot about God. Like, this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on. This is what's happened in my life. So those things are comforting for me to mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. have on a consistent basis. But the whole filling me up and rejuvenating me, like that's a part of it. But the other part of it's rhythm. So like hunting season, being in the mm. woods, being outside, yeah. being outdoors. Last yes. year, you know, we got to go shed hunting, got to do it with my son. You, you know, you walk out in the, you know, the woods, you're, you're together with family, but you're also in what God's creation. Mm -hmm. So some of that stuff, just looking around at God's creation, you know, fills me up. And Nature. Makes me be like, wow, like this is, this is something that, fills me up and it's a rhythm like and sometimes you need that just to be alone mm -hmm. you know, and to be somewhere that that can fill you up and or it's you know you need other people so like it's going to the men's bible study on monday mm -hmm. nights and you're sitting around listening to stories like you just can't mm -hmm. even imagine you know the things that are going yeah. on and it's happening and i'm just sitting back there thinking and i walk away from it because you think every monday we got to do this but then you get there yeah. and you're like yeah oh, that's i'm great. full right like uh, yeah i'm full and like this is and as for pastors that I listen to, books that I read. So I obviously feed calves and spend a significant <laughs> amount of time in the barn and the audible, you know, books that I listen to in the podcast, all kinds of diversity of books, diversity of thought, love autobiographies, love to listen yeah. to people's stories. I don't really have a favorite pastor, you know, so I don't know if they're... I'm, know. I'm insulted. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was a good one. You know, Mike, what, what you said, what I challenge people is... Uh, we know to grow in love with Jesus, you got to be reading the scripture, mm -hmm. meditating, studying it, reading it, delighting in it. You got to be praying. You got to be praying with your spouse and others. But I challenge people: it's you need to do your walk. Mm -hmm. God's made you unique. Yeah. Right. You got to be with Him in the Word and prayer. But 
he's made us unique in mm-hmm. our passions and desires, and he wants you to delight in him with the way he made you. So don't do my walk because you're not going to find fruit in it, but you right. need to do yours. Yeah, find right. rhythm. And, yeah. and you've, you've, you're going to have to be in the word in some way. You're going to have to be praying in some way. Mm-hmm. But uh, rejoice the way God made you and delight in him in that way. I love that because that, that makes it easier for people to be able to apply it to themselves because I think sometimes that new Christians or people think that we have to follow A, B, and C, you know, or do exactly what he does, but, and then it doesn't follow through because they're not doing what they love. Yeah. Well, you know, I, when I first started preaching, I tried to be like Billy Graham and someone said, you know, (laughs) you're, you're a very poor imitation of Billy Graham. And they said, well, you need to be yourself. You need Mm -hmm. to find your voice. And uh, I had, it was a good word to hear that when I was in my Mm twenties. And I think part of it is for me too, is, is that, you know, Watching the ministry world from the outside, like before I was a Christian and then even Mm. when I became a Christian, the whole ministry world seemed very weird to me, you know, because (laughs) it wasn't necessarily like I would listen to a lot of people talk in ministry about that whole concept of being filled up and like they were being filled up by somebody else and not by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, And that was so weird to me because I'm like, dude, I, I mean, I get it. All these people are awesome and I love to listen to them. And I know that's not what Brenda's talking about, but there are at times where the only time somebody can get filled is by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying like, I think we need to get to the place where what somebody else says to you should spur you to the only place you're going to get filled, which is Jesus. The one one is always going to be there. And we as pastors should spur that on and not be, you know, the, right. the thing that fills everybody's cup. But we should be spurring you on to the only one that has the living water, right, that's just going to keep dumping and never mm-hmm. run out. Because at some point, I've seen people in ministry do this. They're hooked to a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then all that sudden that pastor fails and yep. not getting what they need and their cup gets empty and then they fall away. And I'm like, we need to be careful. And again, I'm Brenda, that's not, I know that's not what she's saying. Right. The intent behind it. But I think for all of us, we need to remember that even when it comes to your wife, mm-hmm. your spouse, you know, your... Uh, your kid. We need to be filled by the only thing that can keep filling. Right. You know, yeah. Of that. So, all right, Nick, anything Absolutely. else? Other questions? Yep. One more. Um, and this is from Jennifer. I think we answered the first few. No, you didn't answer the rest of Angie's. Remember it was about the family at home. Did I miss one? Yeah. Cause it was the one about how to meet people. And then it was, um, oh, I, yeah, let me read the one about one. filling, investing and filling at home. Cause she mm. said she didn't know how to do that. Um, it was at the bottom of Angie's. She said that's when um, she was talking about. Um, uh, yeah, the idea is that she was talking about invest and invite. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. I've invested in others forever, but when Mike talked about investing at home, I lost it. Assuming my, assuming that my family knows how much I love them and invest into them, but it just isn't enough. Yeah, so maybe talk about that a little bit, Jim. Do you help people work through that? I mean, or do you see people that struggle investing into their kids or, the, you know, investing into other people but then forget about their family? Do you ever see that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I just met with someone uh, just last month. I won't say his name, but uh, uh, a couple that I don't know well, but there's friends of my uh, my oldest daughter I met with, and just the husband's been uh, – wife's uh, works on the weekends, and the husband's been struggling getting the kids, four kids to church, and – and then as we talked, uh, I said, well, let's just, let's just start getting together. And uh, so we got together. We're gonna, we get together every three weeks. And I just gave him some simple tools of how to read the Bible as a Bible reading plan of just reading through the Gospels. I, and I said, read this with your kids. He has four daughters under uh, 11 and mm-hmm. under. 
And I taught him how to pray, not only the pray acrostic, praise, repent, ask, yield, but also the bless acrostic. And so the bless acrostic, when we pray for others, when I pray for you, I pray for your body, for be your your health and your strength. For me, I'd not be fat anymore. Uh, I didn't say that. I did not say that. Health. As you looked at my belly. I did not say that. I was you can't like, see your belly. Uh, so B is praying for someone's body. L is their labor, praying for them at their workplace or their school place, that they would be blessed in that. So B, body, L, labor. E, their emotions, that God would give them peace or comfort or if they're struggling with depression, help where they are. The other body, labor, emotions, S, social relationships their friendships, their marriages, their siblings, and then spiritual relationship. And so I was, I was teaching this young man, I, I want you to begin to pray with your wife because he hasn't been praying for this wife. Uh, and I'm going to hold you accountable. You need to take your kids on Sunday. That's as important. And he, and he grasped that. And I said, you know, you can teach his daughters are in dance. They can be dancers and they can be a ballet on Broadway. But if they die apart from Christ, mm-hmm. they've lost everything. Right. Invest in the right thing. I just, and I emailed him just uh, the other day. I said, hey, did you take your daughters to church on Sunday? Have you been praying with your spouse? Are you reading through the Gospels? He responded, great, great text. I took my daughters to church. It was great. Thanks for asking. I actually prayed with my wife last night. I started just reading the Gospels. It's been a great start. It's been a great start. Yeah. People just need, again, that's why you meet. You spur one another right. on accountability yeah. and help. And, you know, to go and tell ministries in the Great Commission study, that bless acrostic, the pray acrostic, have how to read the Bible. Some basic things I feel like just people are overwhelmed, they don't know how to do. I've taken, and they're embarrassed to even ask. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of husbands don't pray with their wives. They literally don't know how to pray with someone else. But as you take people through that and you model with them of how to pray by showing them, and then you teach them how to do it as you watch and take part, it helps people to grow. Mm-hmm. Because the enemy's going to do anything he can to, to break up the family. So you've got to invest, and, you know, my kids grew up as a pastor's household, which, again, it's a crazy household. And uh, <laughs> it's just busy. And it wasn't a horrible thing for my kids to be pastor's kid because we made a priority. I tried to make a priority to be with them, to love them in their way, and to be there in a strong family. We've been blessed with that. So we rejoice. But it's in everything we kind of talk with the theme, everything that's good, it has to be intentionality mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. And, I, and I'll just add to back to what Angie was asking about, because I've said this from the beginning, and I think it's one of the things we always try to push with our kids, you know, because we had three biological, we took in five kids, and so our house was always <laughs> crazy, you know, of, uh, of what we we're trying to get done and do. But we tried to make a commitment that not only would we want to reach our kids and see everyone and be baptized and know Jesus Christ and, and show them all that but we wanted to teach them how to reach their friends Mm -hmm. so our biggest thing our biggest investment into our kids that way was to say what do you need not who are your friends going to be but what do you need to reach them right Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't want to go through the whole like don't be friends with this one don't be friends with that one you need to have enough sense i'll help you work right but at the end of the day how do i reach your friends Mm -hmm. so what can i do and so you know, Sherry and I led small groups, you know, for all of our kids, and we, you know, helped them reach their friends and bring them over, cook the cherry, cooked lots and lots mm. and lots and lots and lots of food, you know, for lots of people, because we just told our kids, if you can get them here, right, we're going to help reach them. We're going right. to do every, everything we can. And so for Angie, I think the big thing is, is just to remember, like, the greatest gift we could ever give them outside of salvation is mm-hmm. the ability to teach them how to reach their friends, right, and provide opportunities for them to be able to do it. And I think that's the intentionality that's lasting. You know, we can be intentional teaching them how to swing a bat, 
play football, understand sports, be good at dance, whatever that is. But the thing that's going to last forever is when we teach our kids to care about their friends, mm-hmm. right? And that that multiplication can happen from there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right, Nick, any other questions? The Jennifer one? Yep. That Just from Jennifer, and I think we answered the first few. Um, she talks about, um, for Jim, tell us about a defining moment in your faith walk. What did God do and how did it change you? Um, is Was that one that you feel like we already answered? I yeah. think so. I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. yeah, we got that yeah. one. Yeah, so the next question is, and I think everybody can answer this, what is your favorite person in the Bible and why? I'll go first. <laughs> Jenny, Jenny had practice before. Yeah, I did, and I'm glad uh, we yeah. had practice. So my favorite person is Paul, and I love Paul because of the fact of story of the whole restoration, how he got changed. I mean, the fact that he was killing Christians and then turned into one of God's biggest Christian like that to me that's amazing and I can relate to it because I can relate not to killing Christians killing people (laughs) no not to that part (laughs) but I can relate to the fact of just being a completely different person after coming to Christ Mm. like the walk I mean I've been to jail not prison though not like why why did you look at because he doesn't know you don't know Jenny's story no 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 but I've been to jail Jails. Okay, yeah. Not yeah. Jail. Uh. Jails. Uh. Yeah, but just his change and everything mm. else is amazing because yeah. it just, if he can do it, it makes me think that I can do it too. Mm. And in my, like, when I was reading the Bible before, you know, I had a complete change of heart, it was, I would read his story. And even though I didn't fully, like, understand it or grasp it, it still gave me hope mm. that mm. somebody in the Bible made it to. Yeah, good. Jim? You know, before we name our son Stephen, I wanted to name him Hezekiah Indiana Halstead. Because I love the name. I love the King Hezekiah who served served God wholeheartedly. And my wife was crying. And my my (laughs) oldest daughter finally... I I can't imagine why. Hezekiah Indiana Halstead. We're living in Florida. I thought it was a great name. Stephen later said it would been an interesting name. And Julie, my daughter, who was, what, seven or eight at the time, says, you know, Dad, you like Stephen in the Bible. Why don't we name him Stephen? And then Charles is named after your grandfather, your middle name. And my wife was very excited when I went for that name. And Instead I, of Hezekiah. Now, it, it did oh my, my name to put Hezekiah on the birth certificate when she was out, but I didn't. So, <laughs> Stephen. She would so have a heart attack. So, I, I, Stephen, of his faithfulness and of being a martyr for Christ. And of living for Jesus, the declaring. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, mine always switches. You know, it's kind of like where I'm at in the You season. said witches? Switches. The witch of Indoor? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite characters of the Bible are all the witches. Does yeah. anybody want to come to Life Church? <laughs> and we were started on Halloween. That's true. Yes. True. The yeah. truth is we're, coming out. Yeah. yeah yes. Halloween the first was the first week, day. First Sunday <laughs> yeah. of Life Church was oh. Halloween. And the pastor loves witches in the Bible. <laughs> switches. Switches. Yeah, because I think it's like different in different seasons. Like at different seasons of my life. And mm-hmm. it can relate better to, you know, certain people. You know? Yeah. Because I was talking about it this morning is we're going into Revelations and we're talking about, you know, 7 mm. through 11 and the idea of spiritual warfare. And part of that is understanding that in the unleashing that, God has or lets the devil as a part of this judgment. He unleashes the devil, mm-hmm. you know, on the world. Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, that whole idea of how he allowed Job, you mm-hmm. know, to, right. to be, 
you know, persecuted. That's crazy. And he allowed Peter to be sifted. And so, you know, I, there's times in my life where I've really felt that, like, mm. what's going on? You know, why, why all this tragedy? Why take the people that are so close to you that you love? What's, mm-hmm. what's happening? You know, and so it's like different seasons and different emotions I can relate with different Amen. people. You right. know? And so some of that's just lately, like I was sharing with them, it's not like Job's my favorite character, but it's more of a relatability. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to just understand, like, I have this relatability that's like, I don't really understand it. Like, God, why would you take everything? You know, and mm-hmm. those are some of the feelings that I've went through at times in my life. Like, I don't get it. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, that... You know, back to, I've said this a long time ago, is I don't, these situations that happen in my life, like, I don't even know why God would allow it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, but working through that, knowing that just like Job, we have to stay faithful because there's a bigger story. Right. right? And so it's kind of a relatability thing for me. So it changes or switches every <laughs> once in a while. So, yeah. Anything else, Nick? No, that's all our questions. Okay. So are we close on time? Because I haven't been watching. Yeah, we're like an hour 10. Uh-oh. Wow. <laughs> I were like 45. Yeah, so let's end it up with this. So, yeah. again, advice that we can give people, because the majority of what we've talked about today, and again, foundationally, it's good, because in the book of Revelations, and, and this is what we are talking about this morning, part of it is to remind us to have a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like, the time is near. Whether the second coming right. of Jesus or whether it's not the end of your life, you have a short amount of time. You need to do something with what mm-hmm. you have. And so part of what we've been talking about today is just that. You need mm-hmm. to be doing yeah. something that matters at the end. So if you could give wisdom to our viewers, Jenny, and we'll always start with you since you're full of wisdom. Wisdom <laughs> to our viewers when it comes to the idea of being intentional, praying for your friends, or whatever these things mm-hmm. are that Jim talked about today or that we've been talking about. What, what out of what we said would you say to our audience go and do this, Here, mm-hmm. here's a way that's going to keep you on track, here's a way that's going to make you intentional, here's a way maybe you are staying on track and being intentional. Okay. I really liked how you really like spoke on praying for people, and not only praying for people, but continuing to pray for them. I think if you are finding that it's hard to talk to people about Jesus, that maybe start with praying first, right. you know, and then like you said, it, he'll give you a heart. And I think that people overthink mm-hmm. the whole process of being a disciple and we're making it harder than what it seems to be. But maybe just start with prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, I loved your prayer acrostic. Yeah, good. Jim? Just delight in Jesus. You've got to be in love. Spend yeah. time and be in love and meet him. Be with him until he shows up. Yeah. And if you're in any of the areas, this would be part of my suggestion. Jim travels everywhere, and mm-hmm. we have people that listen to our podcast in a lot of different mm-hmm. places in the United yeah. States. So if you're somewhere where the go and tell evangelism is going on, you know, look for it. Can they find your, like, where you're going yeah. to be somewhere? Yeah, so go, go and tell ministries.org. We have a calendar page, and then also if you are elsewhere, if you'd like to invite me to come, I go throughout i mean i've been uh, through uh, jacksonville detroit boston grand rapids uh, so maybe Des Moines. That, is that something we can put out yeah i'm yeah, writing so we'll it put down that so out as a link for okay. people to yeah. be able to go on and if you want to know where jim's going to be or if you want if you're out there as a church saying we've been trying to create culture but we want to bring somebody in 
you know, speaking from the standpoint of Live Church, when we brought you in, it was, mm-hmm. it was again, it was a good revelation for people. We taught the class, had a great response. So if you are a church out there and you want to take it to the next level, this is a great opportunity to be able to do it. And so mm-hmm. you'll be able to see, you know, the link. You know, Amen. To, yeah, to, I'll have that out think. there. Yeah. And Mike, by the way, I, I got you two copies <gasps> of the books. Ooh. So those are just, just got published just out last week. Nice. Uh, you got the participant's guide and then facilitator's guide uh, as you lead the small group. Okay. That's awesome. amazing. Yeah, so my parting advice, I guess, for, for everybody is is that back to what Jim said, I think if we delight in the Lord, you'll have a heart for the lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got to get back to the place where we stop going through the motions, mm-hmm. you know, and get back to loving him. Right? Amen. Like just, just get back to pouring your heart out, pouring your life out. Love him with everything you are. And I think that natural mm-hmm. tendency is, is that he's going to change your heart. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. You do delight in the Lord. It's going to change your heart for lost people. And then once that comes and you find yourself in this dilemma, what do I do? That's what these resources are right. for. That's what your small groups are for. That's what your leaders are for is mm-hmm. to help you walk through there. But it's hard to walk through there if you don't have a heart. Right. right. So like Jim said, just to reiterate, we need to love him, love him well, pour ourselves in, and then the heart for the lost will be able to come. So again, just as a reminder, if you want to be on our podcast group. Yep. If you want to be in our podcast group, you text podcast to 260-408-8383. So send questions, comments, if you want to be on here. Um, If you just want to have a conversation with us, you're confused. If you're confused. I don't know. People get confused. (laughs) (laughs) Just basically. She she looked at you, not me. She looked at you, not me. Just if anything, we want to have that conversation. And it's nice to be able to know what you want to hear because then it's not just us here. We're, you know, engaging. Yeah. So let And and I want to end with this, too, because as a reminder, Jenny puts this out via our social media. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to find us, you know, uh, on that link, you can go to our YouTube page, right. whatever those things are. But here's the other thing I think we forget when it comes to evangelism. You can share yes. these kinds of things on right. social media. That's a part of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? It's going to reach. This is the coolest thing about evangelism today that wasn't yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. When you get out there, people's feeds or, you know, network of people, by you sharing links or by you sharing these things, again, who knows, if people would go out and share this podcast, how much you know, go and tell could get into places and people could get into places and mm-hmm. we can really open up the reservoir for people to, to understand how to share the gospel. And so part of that evangelism is just doing those things. I literally hear every day overseas, people throughout the world accessing our site, using our free resources. Right. And it's amazing throughout the world every day. So right. Cool. So we just want people to share it, talk Amen. about it, get people yeah. online so that we can, you know, be able to share this with everybody that we can, because we really believe that, you know, these conversations, these things that happen, that these meetings are God ordained, that, you know, you're here for a reason, mm-hmm. that people are listening for a reason, that lives are changed, you know, because of the, the stories that we all have and are all able to share. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on the roundtable. We'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you, Mike. Bye.